You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. Well, as we come into our message today, it's the life that I now live. This life that I now live. These are the words of Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Acts, in the book of Galatians, where he's speaking about this. But before we get into it, you know, one of the most common questions that Christians ask me, how do I know that I'm hearing from God? I hear so many Christians that seem to be mature or growing in their relationship with God and they just sprout it off like it's some easy thing to do to hear from God. But for me, I just feel like I, I can't seem to get that connection or understanding on the way that God speaks to me. And this is the question that I hear from so many people. And you know what? It's a brilliant question because with man, all things are impossible, but with God, all things are made possible, which means you can hear from God. It's just a journey of understanding. It's just a journey of learning how to listen and how to receive. But I'm gonna tell you today how God is gonna to speak to you. The Holy Spirit will make known to you exactly what needs to come to you. That means there'll be so much information of truth that comes from the Word of God today, but you are not gonna remember all of my words today, nor do you need to. What you will remember is the deposit that the Holy Spirit leaves into your heart and your spirit. What is it? It's words that don't let your mind go. It's words that cling onto your heart and settle in your spirit and it starts to take root. That's how you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And I had this conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago and they go, I get that in a meeting. I get when the Holy Spirit kind of like, I get these words and they don't seem to let me go. And I went, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And it was such a revelation to their journey that it's just as easy as that. And you know what? It's simple. So just listen for what the Holy Spirit is going to make known to your heart this morning the words that won't let you go, that reverberate what He wants to say to you. Let's come around the Word this morning. Galatians 2, 18, 21. These are the most powerful transformational words that you'll hear the Apostle Paul speak to us. And it's still going down the hallway of time today into our hearts. He says this in verse 18, If I was trying to be good, I would be rebuilding the same old barn that I tore down. I would be acting as a pretender. And what actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man and Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with Jesus. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me and the life you see me living, it's not mine anymore, but it's lived by this faith and this trust that I have in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. And I am not going to go back on that. These words, this revelation from Jesus gripped His heart and it couldn't let Him go. That He changed His very life's expression around this Word that was encountered to Him through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is not a sudden conversion. 
on a Damascus road where Jesus encountered Saul. This was a place of surrender where he surrendered it all to Jesus because no longer could he hold pretension. No longer could he hold his ego anymore. It was too hard to carry. He was deeply troubled. That's why Paul couldn't go back. His soul had suffered violence. Listen to me this morning. His soul had suffered violence. That's why he can't go back to that because Jesus has now rescued him from that violence. And he says, I won't go back. And three things he says in that Scripture, my ego is no longer central. This means my self-esteem, my self-importance. It can't come from man any longer because I've discovered one that fills me from a river of living water that never runs dry. Number two, I don't have to keep up appearances or even keep your good opinion. And number three, I'm no longer driven to impress God. And in life today, we can sometimes encounter similar scenarios. The sense of people pleasing, keeping up appearances to not just gain good opinion, but keeping opinion. And for myself, as a young adult, I encountered this scenario in a previous church culture. And the reason I stipulate culture is because there is a chasm of difference between the earthly culture of man and the kingdom culture of God. And it was the culture of man that was deeply wounding me. At the time as a young adult, I was working 70 hours a week managing a business at the time. I was running two departments in my church and I was getting to a Saturday night in the youth group that I was serving exhausted and having heart palpitations. And as I stood at the back of the room, clutching my heart and my chest, I knew something was deeply wrong in my life. But I couldn't articulate my deep sense of confusion to what I was feeling because the truth was I didn't know my own voice. I didn't know my own voice and I didn't have the confidence or the understanding to articulate that I was not coping. And then we look at the story of David and Goliath in the Bible. It's kind of like King Saul trying to put his heavy armour on David, something that was not his fit nor what he was ever meant to carry. And let's be clear. Let's be very clear this morning, church, David was called, down, called to take down the giant Goliath and free his people. But how he did it could never be according to man's interpretation of God's masterful plan. David had come to know the voice of God that was in him, but it had to become him. Heavy armour was replaced with a slingshot. A sword was replaced for a stone. Giants will only come down with kingdom culture and not man's ways. Saul dressed David for defence, but God's slay supplied David for the defeat. And with God's kingdom, the enemy is defeated. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power, church, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you have a Goliath in your life? that has been sent to harass you? Do you have a soul in your life trying to dress you with earthly culture on how to fix it? We have to come to know the voice of God that is not only in us, 
but what has to become us. And when His voice speaks, mountains melt like presence in the Lord, melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. When His voice speaks, red seas open and walk those from exile to freedom. When His voice speaks, dead things raise back to life. When His voice speaks, light pushes out of darkness. When His voice speaks, deaf ears to the Gospel are open. Blind eyes can see. When Jesus speaks, everything changes. Do you need a Goliath to come tumbling down in your life? Let me tell you, I'm not afraid of Goliath. We've had a Goliath in our family harassing my child for 12 months straight. I am not afraid of Goliath because I know the one who has defeated death. I know the one who rose from the grave and He is the one who is living in me now. And this life I now live is not according to my own strength, my own ways to fix it. It is according to the authority that rose Him from the dead. Do you have a giant in your life at the moment that's harassing you because I can stand with you? We just need to listen for His voice. Let it become yours because it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know, the weight that was being expected of me as a young adult put on me, it never came from God. I was in a space where people pleasing was a strong and acceptable practice. And the only word you could say was yes. I felt compelled to keep up appearances, to keep good opinion because of the fear. If I couldn't keep up, if I couldn't push through, I would be left behind. I tell you this story because just as Jesus completely revolutionised Saul's life, just as He transformed the nation of Israel through David as a teenager, Jesus too came to me and radically transformed my life through grace, just as Jesus wants to do for you. I found His voice that became my voice through His grace. And it took five years of sitting in this church, listening to what grace meant, undeserved favour, nothing I could do to earn His love as it was so freely given. Five years of listening until His voice became my voice. Whether a church, whether a family, or experiences through your life, our ego, keeping up appearances and feeling driven to impress people. Jesus wants to encounter you on your road that you're walking now, now and completely transform your life to one that frees you from works to understanding who Jesus is, complete grace. And today I've discovered two things. Hopefully I've discovered more. Today I've discovered two things. I couldn't speak up because deep down here was an even deeper wound buried in me from my past that was open. And because it was open, it was allowing the harassment of the devil. And what I realised, it wasn't until I let God heal me, until I received healing from Him, I would never be free. He had to heal the wound. He had to close the wound. And at 29, Jesus came to me and I could resist no more. And I was totally healed set free, and Jesus led me to the voice that He gave me. It is His voice of victory. It is His voice of authority. It is His voice of freedom. But I have a voice now of complete gratefulness to the One who loved me, died for me and gave Himself up for me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith, not mine. His faith, His faith, not mine. Oh, and I tried to run 
Oh, don't we all try to run because my knowledge of shame was greater than my knowledge of him. Oh, and I tried to run, but Jesus pursued me until he brought me face to face with him. So I let go. So I let go and I stopped resisting and he showed me how to receive his healing. And I, Naomi Eden, will never, ever go back. Galatians 2.18, it's not Paul speaking these words, it's now me speaking the words of Jesus. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules. I tried working my head off to please people. Thought I was pleasing God and it didn't work. So I quit being a law woman so that I could be God's daughter. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with Him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My shame has been crucified with Christ. My rejection has been crucified with Christ. My ego has been crucified with Christ. My low self-esteem has been crucified with Christ, no longer to have power and authority over me unless I give it. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me and this life you see me living is not mine. This life you see me living, it's not mine. Many pastors will say, that's not quite my desire to be a pastor, but yet here I am. I receive the yes. Don't worry, I always wanted to be a pastor. (laughs) But it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I'm not going to go back on that. Why? Because in my healing came revelation of my true calling. I know why I'm here. And I will never go back and I will never settle for earthly culture. Why will I never settle for earthly culture? I was in the cafe last Friday night with the women's event. And one of the ladies here from church came up to me and she said, Oh, Naomi, I've just got to tell you, I've been trying to get to tell you. It's been a month Since we prayed, she had sciatica all down the left-hand side of her and it was just, it was just agony, crippling agony of just the incredible pain that sciatica can bring. And so I just said, hey, let's pray because I'm never going to settle on trying to fix it in this world when I've got kingdom culture that tells me the architect and the, and the builder tells me how to fix things. And so we, I said, let's pray together. I said, let's pray for faith. Don't let doubt come in now. Let's just believe that God can do what He says. Whether you see it change straight away or not is not actually the issue. The issue is believing and speaking and coming into agreement with the Word of God. So we prayed together and and then I just, you know, said goodbye and taught her a few things and that was it. And a month goes by and you kind of think, is anything happening, Lord? I'm praying for lots of people like you're telling me to do. Is anything receiving? I just got to keep stepping out of the boat, people. Do you want me to stay in the boat? Okay, well, then I got to get out, whether what happens or not. What do you do? So she came up to me and she said, when I woke up the next morning, I was completely healed. I've had no pain since and I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm speaking over my body every day. And I went, that's amazing. That took me 25 years to get that and you're getting it in a month. You know, the other week I stood up here after Pastor Lee had preached and I was sitting in my seat and I had this vision that I came up and spoke about on stage. 
and it was a vision of a piano, a beautiful piano, and it wasn't fancy, it was just a beautiful, it was a cherished piano. And there was uh, a girl who was in a chair two metres away from the piano and she was in restraints. And then I saw in the vision that this light came down forth and this light was actually going to tell this girl why there were restraints on her, why she couldn't get to do what she was passionate about and it was playing the piano. And I sat there on the, on the road getting this, this vision and I said, to, I said to the Lord, oh, is this somebody who wants to play the piano? And he's like, no, it's just a picture. And I'm like, oh, okay, got it now, we're on, we're on track. So I came up here, I stepped out of the boat once again and, uh, and I gave the word thinking, well, I'll just get it out there. I don't know what's going to happen. And then somebody came up to me after the meeting and said, that girl's me. I've been restrained from the passion of what I've really wanted to do. And I've had to settle back in a role that I knew I never wanted to settle in. And I just said, God is going to make known to you and reveal to you what has been restraining you and He's going to set you free completely. And already she's put things into place that is getting her on that journey of becoming set free. God is moving and I won't settle for earthly foundations that I live in because the architect and the builder of kingdom culture is God and that's what He's wanting to bring to this earth today. This is a picture of how we become His. This is a demonstration of how we become His. How did Jesus transform Paul? Well, we've got to go back to the story of when he was Saul. This is so confusing at times. We're in Saul now, Acts chapter 9. All this time, this is where Saul was before he was so eloquent with these beautiful words to Jesus. All this time, Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples. He was out for the kill. He went to the chief priest and got arrest warrants to take to the meeting places in Damascus so that if he found anyone that was belonging to Jesus, whether men or women, he could arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. So he set off. And when he got to the outskirts of Damascus, he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. And as he fell to the ground, he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? Why are you persecuting me? You have this incredible pursuit against me. You become so fixated to oppress, to harass anyone who is following or believing in me. You're judging people and you want to punish them, afflict them. And you're even killing them, Saul. And Saul in that moment, being blinded by that light, not being able to see anything, he said, who are you, Master? God, I know, but who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, the one you are hunting down. And then Jesus said this statement to Saul that becomes the crux, the catalyst that unearths what is really happening in the heart of Saul. Sure, all around, people knew who Saul was. He was a religious leader. He was a scholar. He, he was a Roman. He was articulate and intelligent. But what they didn't see, Jesus did. And in Acts 26, 14, it says, Saul, you are hurting yourself. You are hurting yourself by kicking against the goads. And you think, what the heck does that mean? What was Jesus saying to Saul? He said, Saul, your soul is suffering violence. Your conscious, your morality of what is right and wrong, it's deeply troubling you. And what is attacking you is far greater than your resistance to it. And the pain, this pain that Saul was experiencing was the very catalyst for change. What was he troubled by? 
Saul was troubled by the death of Stephen. And when the disciples needed needed help, God showed them Stephen. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was a man who was full of faith. And Saul was there when Stephen was stoned from the religious leaders just for speaking to the religious political council about Jesus, who he declared to be the Son of God. And what was Stephen saying to them? He was saying to them that God has given you this very land that you live in. The problem is that you've become settled. You've become settled. Your your predecessor, your ancestor Abraham, when he was journeying through the land, he came into the land, but he, he never settled there. He was always looking for the kingdom to come down to earthly culture. He was looking for the architect and the builder. That was God. But you're not looking for the architect and the builder anymore. You've gotten comfortable worshipping God, but settling into earthly culture. Have we settled today? There's no way that we cannot ask ourselves the same question. There's no way that we can numb ourselves to the reality of the culture of the kingdom that wants to be brought down to the earth. Are we seeking the architect for every area of our life? Are we seeking the builder who is God for what our marriage should look like? Not what the world says, what our marriage should look like according to God, what our children should be following according to God. Have we settled today? And this is not to bring heaviness on you, but we must ask that questions of followers of Jesus Christ to never settle for earthly things. I'm not gonna settle for disease. I'm not gonna settle for my child being harassed. I'm not gonna settle for divorce in my marriage. I'm not gonna settle because God has promised us too much church. Do you believe it this morning? probably thinking, man, your kids, the, man, you're so passionate. What is life like for your kids? Very gentle, actually. My uh, son will ask me for a cup of tea and this, he'll tell you this is the response. I'd love to do that for you. Whether I want to or not is irrelevant, but it's grace. I'd love to do that for you. Hebrews 11, 8, 10 says, for he was looking, this is Abraham for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Acts 7.54, Stephen is killed. This is what Saul witnessed when they heard these things. The religious leaders who followed God, who went to church, they became furious and ground their teeth at him. Don't think that they're somehow different to any of us. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked intently toward heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, not wanting to know the truth, shouting out with a loud voice and rushed at him with one intent. When they had driven him out of the city, They began to stone Stephen and the witnesses laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. They continued to stone Stephen while he prayed. What is going on? They continued to stone him while Stephen was praying. It's the same God. And he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
Then he fell to his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold sin against them. Amazing. When he had said this, he died. Acts 8.1, here it is. And Saul agreed with completely killing him. And Saul agreed completely with killing him. Let me go back to this question. Saul, you're hurting yourself. This is why he's hurting himself. Because of the agreements that he's coming into that are not of God. So with his mind, will and his emotions deeply troubled, his soul was suffering violence. Jesus came on his road to meet him. Jesus came to rescue Saul. And this is the account of what happened in Acts 26. For a time, I thought it was my duty. This is now, this is now Paul who's been transformed by this experience. This is him retelling his story. 